0: I mean, I think that the idea that people, that there's any positive connection between hedonism and writing, I think is dog shit. And I think it always has been. I I just don't think it's true that anybody ever really wrote any great music while they were high. You can admire somebody's art without aspiring to be like them. I think one of the things that I've long known this to be true, but like the sea does very strange things to me, and very positive things to me, the, the sight and the presence of the sea, I find very, very useful for me. I, I find it very humbling. I found CBT to be great because it's um, it chimed with my own kind of personality in the sense that I'm quite sort of just... Proactive. I can't really be asked to sit around and wait to do stuff. I just, just get the fuck on with it. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm grateful. It's funny, like the conversation about mental health and music industry in general is like in a, a much healthier place now than it has ever been in my experience with the music industry. So, you know, and I'm fortunate in that.
1: Welcome to the Collaborative Resource Hub by Wellness Provisions. We're bridging the gap between mental health, wellness, and rock and roll. I'm Amy McBride, owner of Wellness Provisions, the most badass wellness business. Hey, are you feeling a little stuck in life? I offer wellness coaching sessions. Book a session with me if you're seeking to get healthy and ahead. Sessions are available worldwide. And check this out. Wellness Provisions supplies rock and rollers with high quality supplements. We've simplified your shopping experience and given you a trustworthy place to go where you can essentially shop blindfolded. And did you know, all our Collaborative Resource Hub interviews air on YouTube, as well as all major podcast platforms. Subscribe to Stay in the Loop. Go immerse yourself in the full Collaborative Resource Hub experience over on our website. You'll have access to helpful resources that will inspire and educate you. So let's inspire each other. If that guy did it, so can you. Last but not least, my legal disclaimer. Nothing in this interview or the Collaborative Resource Hub substitutes medical advice please connect with your GP if you need medical guidance. Yes. Frank, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me here in America today. How are you?
0: I'm, I'm very well. Thank you for sitting down and talking with me. Um, uh, but it's, yeah, it's a, we, we had a miserable May in the UK and it's now June and the weather is absolutely glorious outside. So uh, yes, life could be worse.
1: Yeah, there you go. Well, good. Um, how would you describe your music to someone who hasn't heard you before?
0: I would grab a tape player and play them some music i i, I don't know i'm not in, in some ways I, I think i'm the worst person to ask really because i'm way too close to the close to the grindstone as it were so i maybe i'd get somebody else to do it um but i mean broadly speaking i'm a kid who grew up listening to punk rock music who's trying to be a songwriter yeah there you go.
1: <laughs> okay thumbs it up so do you still have cassette tapes like do you have a tape deck uh
0: i have a tape deck somewhere yeah definitely and i've definitely got a box of tapes both of them are buried at the bottom of a big pile of crap. So um, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna sit here and try and pretend that I'm I'm on the cassettes all day, every day. But yeah. Um, yeah, they're around somewhere. One of the problems I have, I have loads of, cause I grew up kind of with DIY hardcore. I've got loads of super obscure releases that aren't on any other format that yeah. are just kind of collecting dust and I can't put them on Spotify or whatever. So they've got to exist somehow. However.
1: Yeah, I know I miss like, I used to make a lot of mixtapes for people because, I mean, I've got Mm. vinyl, obviously. And then um, I like I love making mixtapes. But then it was just like more and more over the last so many years, no one can play the tapes anymore. So it
0: is it is a sadness. And there's something not quite as glorious about a playlist. Do you know what I mean? I mean, similar principle. Yeah, it doesn't. I do do remember like the, the maths of trying to get things down to 45 minutes per side or whatever. Um, that was important, and then there was. A, do you remember? Um, there was a band called As Friends Rust from an old punk band from, called As Rust from uh Florida, I think they were from, and they had a song called The First Song on the Tape You Maker. And uh, it was, it was, it's a, it's you should look it up, it's a great tune. Um, all about the fact that kind of sad, friendless boys on the hardcore scene used to make tapes for girls they fancied. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, totally, and uh, and it it was it's quite an effective song to put first on a tape that you're making.
1: So, <laughs> I'm um, a married man
0: now, so it's not a thing that I do anymore. But nevertheless,
1: yeah. But it was a well thought out song on their behalf for exactly that place. Ex- I love it.
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: Okay, so shifting gears, was there a point in your life where you realized like you had to make yourself a priority, otherwise you weren't going to fare very well?
0: Um. Yes. I mean, I would probably phrase it slightly differently to that personally. Like um, uh, I try quite hard not to think of myself as a priority generally because I don't think of myself. uh, I don't want to be um, too self-involved. But at the same time, I think what I would say is there was a moment in time when I realized that like my own coping mechanisms were not sufficient to the task at hand. Um, Like a lot of people, I mean, well, first of all, I grew up in quite a sort of... um, uh, stiff upper lip english family you know um where i mean not i wouldn't say that like talking about your kind of mental health issues was discouraged it just wasn't done do you know what i mean it just wasn't on the table and then i started listening to like hardcore punk which is also not a particularly kind of like open forum you know um so uh, i wasn't well predisposed <laughs> in terms of my upbringing and then um you know like for like a lot of people for a long time I would self-medicate and in some ways that I'm talking about, you know, substance abuse and that kind of thing, which we can get on to. But the other thing was that like, you know, I was of the opinion that music was all the therapy I was ever going to need. And that like, if things, times were tough, I could just put on another Pedro the Lion record and everything would be okay. And that I suppose there was times in my life where that was true, but I definitely reached a point where I realized that whilst music is sufficient, uh, sorry, while music is necessary, it is not sufficient yeah. for my own kind of mental well-being, And um, it was quite, um, quite a big thing for me to engage conceptually with the idea of things like therapy I'm fortunate that my then fiance now wife um, is a trainee psychotherapist and um, knows, is a very smart woman and knows lots about these things and uh, also doesn't doesn't take my shit should we say and so um, you know I got schooled quite hard on that side of things and it was enormously helpful and it sort of saved my life and all the rest of it but um, yeah there, there, so that yes there was a moment when I was like ugh I need to do something other than just bury my head in old emo records.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like, did you have any friends at the time then that were, you know, making an effort to look out for themselves and their well-being or not? Uh, yeah,
0: not in a way that I was actively involved in conversations with. Yeah. I guess what I would say is that like, like an awful lot of people, I was very strongly in the impression that any, that my friends would regard my issues as being kind of tedious do you know what I mean? Or just like, like that they didn't want to hear it. And that yeah, kind like of you thing. would
1: feel like a burden or something.
0: Exactly. And I was pleasantly surprised um, to discover that that was not the case because that's not what friendship consists of. Um, and that actually a lot of my friends were, were incredibly receptive and helpful once, once I made the leap to start discussing these things openly. Um, I mean, that initial step I felt like was one that I didn't, make with my friends but once I journeyed down that road it it has been um a pleasant surprise
1: yeah I mean and it's true because it's so easy so many people feel like you know the whole like they are alone and that they would be a burden to their friends. But I mean, and maybe there are some friends who don't want to listen to your shit, but then they're not friends.
0: They're, yeah, they're, they're not very good friends at any rate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, totally. And I guess the other thing as well is that, like, it sort of highlighted for me the importance of you know, in the UK, we have a thing called Calm, the campaign against living miserably, who I work with and that kind of thing. And and part of their whole thing is that it's like, cool, if you think you're gonna be, you don't wanna be a burden to people, you can be a burden to us whose entire job is to be burden supporters. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That's why we exist and therefore you cannot feel bad about calling us to talk about your shit because that's why we exist. Yeah. And that's quite a cool way of trying to square that circle, you know?
1: Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, it's important for people who aren't comfortable otherwise. So like what kind of I guess what kind of tactics did you start employing and and utilizing in your life to get over and through like substance abuse and stuff um, well
0: the main thing was actually getting kind of professional help with it um, I engaged with a thing uh, cognitive cognitive behavioral therapy um, which I didn't know anything about any of the different flavors of therapy that exist or any I didn't really know anything about anything um, my wife did obviously um I'm quite sort of like, how best to put this without sounding up myself. I'm I'm quite sort of like intellectually feisty, should we say? And my wife had the foresight.
1: Huh? Skeptical? Not necessarily
0: skeptical, but just like, you know, argumentative might be a word. Um, Or at least it can be. (laughs) My wife had the intelligence to seek out a not only a woman who was a um, cognitive behavioral therapist specialist she was a specialized in substance abuse but she was also incredibly smart and kind of could go toe to toe with me when required kind of thing uh which was necessary i mean I'm, I'm sad to say that because it doesn't reflect very well on me but it is true the therapist i ended up who is indeed still my therapist now and we we I, i'm not currently in regular contact but i'll you know a couple of months a year we'll 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 get on the yeah. uh, one of the other things that's great about her. Is she's even before the pandemic, she was fine doing stuff over kind of zoom or Skype or whatever, which was useful for me when I was touring. Um, do you know what I mean? Because like, it was like, cool, I need to see you once a week to which I'm like, okay. Like when the fuck are we going to do that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but she was, she's, she was amazing. And um, I found CBT to be great because it's, um, it chimed with my own kind of like personality in the sense that I'm quite sort of just Proactive. I can't really be asked to sit around and wait to do stuff. Let's just, just get the fuck on with it. Do you know what I mean? And like, CBT is not really. I'm sure you know this, but it's not really necessarily Freudian. It's not necessarily about sitting around talking about your childhood for hours and hours. It's like, what are the behaviors that are bad? Why are you doing them? Let how can we stop you doing them and make it better? And it was just very, very like, do this, do that, and yeah. and I, I I enjoyed that personally.
1: yeah Solution oriented and like rewiring. Right. And like, let's move forward.
0: Yes, totally. And of course, that's not going to be the same for everybody. Everyone has their own approach and the the different approaches exist because people are different and and I understand all that. But for me personally, that was that was what I wanted and needed.
1: Yeah, I've heard from other people. I mean, a few people that I've chatted with that CBT was like the golden ticket for them.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can't really be comparative about it because I haven't really tried anything else. But like, from it was, I was impressed. Yeah. Let's put it that way. I was yeah. just like, oh shit, this like works. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, was yeah, there anything else
1: that you started doing, like any kind of like practicing mindfulness or making an effort to get in nature more or anything else?
0: Um, a little. I mean, one of the major things that I have done, and this is later on in the process because this was last year, but I moved um, out of the city. Um, I my dad's family in Londoners. Um, I moved to London as soon as I was physically able to do so when I was a kid, um, and I lived in London for more than twenty years. And I was quite wedded in terms of my identity to being a Londoner. And uh, you know, even even just over a year ago, I would have told you I will only ever leave leave London in a pine box or a tour bus. Do you know what I mean? And here I am. I now live on the rural Essex coast. Um, and i think one of the things that i've long known this to be true but like the sea does very strange things to me and very positive things to me the the sight and the presence of the sea i find very very um useful for me i i find it very humbling i often think when i'm looking at the sea that i could take all of my shit and all of the things that are annoying me and i could push them in the sea and they'd sink yeah. and then the sea would be exactly the same afterwards do you know what i mean and it just yeah. sort of kind of like it's like huh Okay. Um, I don't know whether you describe that as mindfulness necessarily.
1: Well, I mean, so I do a thing on, I go out to the, cause I live right, right by the beach as well. And I mm-hmm. go out on the full moon and at night when it's dark for the full moon. And I think about the things that I want to focus on and, and put more focus on like in the next lunar cycle. And then as the tide comes in, I think about the good things. And then as the tide goes out, I release like the negative things like self-doubt or frustration with the mm-hmm. water as it goes away. So kind of similar.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I, like, I mean, where we live now, we're not actually on the coast, but like there's this little kind of circuit you can do, which takes about eight minutes. You walk out the house down to the beach along the beach and then back up again. And it's perfect because if I'm just like, even like if I get a shitty email or or phone call at work that annoys me or whatever, it's just like down tools around the block. Do you know what I mean? And it's just kind of like I find it diff- that it's the humbling part of it. I just think that it's really good to realize that nothing that you're doing is that important. Do you know what I mean? And that like the world exists, and that you need to make your peace with it, and and that that's quite important to me. So yeah.
1: Yeah, it's cool that the that the ocean, and I guess the magnitude and the vastness of it, and everything, kind of bestows that
0: upon you yeah it's it's the time as well i mean i'm a massive history nerd and like i I've, and have always been and one of the things i enjoy about the study of history is again i find it quite humbling in a useful way and just in the sense that it's like you're here for one human lifespan there's been quite a few of those uh yeah. and there's there's plenty more coming um and do you know what i mean and there's like where i live is quite a historic part of the world in the sense that there's, i mean the place i live used to be a roman holiday resort um you know it's like I mean, broadly speaking, Um, and like, you know, there have been Anglo-Saxons here and there's been people in the Civil War. And there's a lot of kind of like historical landmarks and that kind of thing up and down the place. And I find that quite soothing as well. Just again, to kind of go, you know, life has happened here for a long time before I got here and it will carry on for a long time afterwards. I think that's good. Yeah,
1: that's that's solid perspective I like that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What other kind of things do you do, um, I guess, even if you're on tour or when you're at home that help you kind of relax and like nurture yourself and just stay on the level?
0: Um, I guess guess the main thing I would say is is physical exercise. Um, uh, I mean, like the shows I do are quite physical and always have been. And indeed, I mean, there's a thing here that like a lot of my issues with substance abuse came from times when I stopped touring for longer than I was used to because I, I never used to quote unquote party when I was on tour. And then it, that was quite a good balance because I would only ever be not on tour for very brief periods of time. So I come home, get fucked up, go on tour again. Everybody wins. Started having more time off tour, you know, came home, got fucked up, woke up, wasn't on tour again. So got fucked up again. And the cycle went that way. And um, it was about sort of finding a modus for Brandy to exist not on the road and a lot of it is to do with kind of balancing kind of adrenaline levels and that kind of thing but touring is a very kind of extreme method of existence i love it i absolutely passionately love it um but so i got into kind of like running and stuff like that um which i've found to be really really useful it sort of there's something the physicality of just getting some of that tension out of yourself you know and if you're having a bad day you run further or you run faster or whatever um that kind of thing i i has been very useful for me but yeah, and then, I mean, kind of more broadly, just kind of like trying to build an identity outside of being Mr. Touring Forever guy, which is all I was for a very long time. Yeah, and I had a lot of fun and it was all good and it built my career. But like you, re- you realize or I realized after a period of time that like if that's if you only do one thing all the time, forever, you become something like a bit of a cardboard cutout of a human, do you know what I mean? And um, trying to sort of I mean, this all ties together, like confronting issues of substance abuse getting married, um, uh, moving house and just sort of trying to make sure I have like an existence and a personality in a life that isn't entirely wedded to standing on a stage in front of X thousand people. Yeah. Because as gratifying as that is, there's something slightly narcissistic about your entire existence being predicated on people cheering at you. Do you know what I mean? Like,
1: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you have to have other experiences, other perspectives and things that help just shape you and like grow your right. mind
0: yes definitely
1: yeah.
0: um but yeah so i, I know I, i'm fortunate that i feel like i kind of started down that road before lockdown kicked in because obviously lockdown was very challenging on that level you know it's like my i, I feel like i got fired almost you know what i mean <laughs> it's like no you can't tour anymore it's like yeah okay um uh you know so i've been fortunate that i was kind of already engaged with that kind of mindset shift um before march last year
1: that's good so you didn't like spiral or anything crazy i
0: i had some panic attacky kind of moments and that kind of thing the worst part of it for me was um in about april because in march it was like over here they were saying oh it might last five weeks yeah yeah and uh so you know i kind of canceled the tour that i was on which sucked but it was like well you know there's i i generally operate with about 18 months of shows ahead of me in the diary and um so I had to cancel 18 months of shows about four weeks later, including my own festival, which is the biggest thing I do all year, both in terms of profile and in terms of the amount of fucking work that goes into it. And there was a day when essentially my manager and I got on the phone and made the call that everything was gone from the diary. And that was horrid. And I had to go and um, stand in a forest for a bit and shout <laughs> kind of thing, do you know what I mean? It was that was that That was a rough time.
1: Yeah. Well, it's good that it didn't consume you and you moved forward
0: <laughs> in time. I mean, this is, we're doing the short version of this right now. <laughs>
1: yeah. Right. <laughs> well, but even so, so fast, you could fast forward the cassette tape and you made it through.
0: <laughs> there we go. There's was a happy yeah. ending.
1: Here's an advert in less than 20 seconds. Did you know that wellness provisions offers one-on-one wellness sessions? Yep. So, if you're seeking to get healthy and ahead in life, but feeling a little stuck, then book a session and let's get you unstuck. Now, back to the interview. Um, has anything healthy that you've incorporated into your life improved your creativity or your music?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, the idea that people, that there's any positive connection between, like, hedonism and writing, I think is dog shit. And I think it always has been. I think I'd. I just don't think it's true that anybody ever really wrote any great music while they were high. I just don't think that's true. I mean, people might have gathered experience whilst high, which contributed to it, but like, you know, if you read carefully, the people like anyone, Keith Richards, Jimi Hendrix, whatever, like they weren't actually writing while they were high. Do you know what I mean? It was like, there's a kind of dividing line there. And like, I write much better when I have a clear head and um, it's definitely, so I, I still have a drink here and there. Do you know what I mean? I'm not like teetotal these days, but like I have... (laughs) <laughs> cut back quite inconsiderably on everything else um and that is better for my creativity i feel very creative in general um at the moment i'm finishing off a new record that will be out next year and uh yeah you know like i i feel much more focused because i'm not dealing with hangovers and come downs all the time
1: yeah i mean that's i i that's what i would think but it's interesting how there's people that think they have to emulate whatever they think they're heroes. You know, yeah, were doing. I think
0: that's and I think that's quite toxic. Um, and, you know, even I mean, I I can see it myself. There's definitely been moments in my life when I wanted to be more like Johnny Thunders or whatever. Do you know what I mean? And like, it's not actually a healthy mindset. And like Johnny Thunders is a very, very troubled individual. Do you know what I mean? And it's like you can admire somebody's art without aspiring to be like them.
1: Yeah. And I think the other thing to for people to remember, and I this came up when I was talking with someone who has been a professional musician for like 20 years, and he's now becoming a therapist. And he was saying how so many of these individuals, even going back to like the 50s or something, you know, like therapy back then has not, it's not what it is now. And so, I mean, that people were self-medicating because they, you know, other solutions or remedies or things just weren't really uh, as well known or available, I guess. Yeah. So it's like, it was a means to an end.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and I mean, you know, I'm I'm grateful. It's funny, like the conversation about mental health and music industry in general is like in a, a much healthier place now than it has ever been in my experience of the music industry. So, you know, um, and, I, and I'm fortunate in that.
1: So do you have any practical advice that you would pass on to somebody?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, of course, everybody's kind of experience of these things is different. And I'm by no means a qualified professional in that or indeed anything else. Um, So, uh, you know, it's all taken with a grain of salt. But like, uh, I feel like there's just um, my experience of like issues with wellness or mental health or however you want to put it has been that it's monumentalism is an issue in the sense that you look at everything and you kind of go, well, it's all fucked and therefore there's nothing I can do and therefore I'm out of here. And one of the useful parts of CBT for me, but this is a piece of advice that sort of goes beyond that is just breaking things down, do you know what I mean? And like looking at things in individual places and whether that's trying to look at your problems as individual kind of components and that can be tackled separately and indeed solutions. So, you know, we've talked about physical exercise, um, cutting back on substance abuse helps, good Lord. Um, uh, or, you know, putting yourself in better physical spaces, whether that's just in terms of getting out of the house or indeed moving where you live and that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, you, uh, actually one of the big ones, um, uh, this is gonna sound silly to some people, but it's true. Is like getting a pet. Um, like I have a very good friend who has terrible, terrible issues with his mental health and he has done much better in recent years since he got a dog. Um, because he has a being that he loves unconditionally that loves him unconditionally. And that doesn't give a fuck about what's bothering him. still needs to get fed and go out and shit and, and walk and everything. And it just snaps him out of himself every single day. Um, and because whatever his issues might be, there is no universe in which he's going to let that dog come to harm in any way. Um, Yeah. You know, and I I have a cat. She's the greatest cat that's ever existed ever. Um, But again, you know, I have to remember to feed her and change her litter and whatever else. Um, And she tends to wake me up in the morning and by sitting on my face and that's all right. Um, But so, yeah, there's just a lot of little things and it's just kind of like, if you look at the world and and it seems insurmountable, then just start chipping away at something small. And small changes will add up to big changes eventually.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that's true with like, wanting to start incorporating healthy changes, whether it's like diet or just lifestyle, just whatever kind of things, baby steps, like start small. Even I have a buddy, he was, um, he wanted to like, stop doing cocaine, stop drinking, stop smoking cigarettes. And he's like, what do I start with? I'm like, I like the cocaine or the alcohol. And so like, he still smokes cigarettes, you know, he wants to stop. Yep. Is that- an- this, is, this is an
0: electronic cigarette. And uh, I, I have given up drugs. Um, I have cut back my alcohol enormously. And I've gone switched from actual cigarettes to this. My wife is trying to get me off electronic cigarettes. And I'm a bit like, give me a fucking break. Do you know what <laughs> what I mean? We've made some steps here. That's exactly- and this is just- yeah, this is just yeah. water vapor. It's nothing else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But certainly, I mean, it's interesting you say that. I know a lot of ex heroin addicts who all tend to smoke like smoke like chimneys. And, you know, you chat to them about it and they're like, well, it's not killing me as fast as heroin was. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's something in that. Um, but that's it. Like, if you go from being a heroin addict to being a smoker, then you've made some fucking progress. Do you know what I mean? Totally. And that's a thing to be saluted. And, and then maybe later down the line, you can ad- address that as well. But, like, yeah. don't, if you don't solve everything in one go, um, yeah then you know that it doesn't matter you can solve one thing at a time
1: exactly in due time i mean you're making one is making strides to more guarantee that they'll be alive the next day to keep making strides
0: yeah yeah i mean again i mean just pick another example like i had a very strange relationship with food for a long time because i used to take a lot of drugs that meant i didn't eat which meant that i regarded meals as an achievement um and it, uh, there was no thinking about what i was eating it was just like i ate a meal today like yeah uh go me and and like that's not brilliantly healthy but like you know after over time i kind of got to a point where i made sure i had three meals a day and that was kind of like big news for me and then and then later on it was like well what am i actually eating do you know what i mean <laughs> just yeah. like You know, but there was there were again baby steps. Do you know what I mean? It was just kind of like, rather than patting myself on the back for actually eating something, it was kind of like, let's actually examine what the content of that meal was. I'm still not very good at that, by the way. But um, yeah, what is
1: so? What does like healthy eating look like to you now?
0: Oh, I mean, like my wife tries to make me eat vegetables. (laughs) Damn her. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. I mean, she's doing a good job. uh, and we tend to have like one vegan day a week and all this kind of shit. So it's, it's getting, it's improving. Actually, funnily enough, lockdown has been very helpful in that because one of the things about touring is it can be quite difficult to eat healthily while you're on the road, uh, or cause a lot of the time you don't really have very much agency over what you can eat and where and when you can eat and that kind of yeah. thing. Um, uh, I've learned how to cook better than I ever could before. I'm still not going to say I'm a good cook, but like I started touring when I was 16, I never learned to cook because you can't cook while you're on tour. Um, so now I can do uh, I can do a risotto.
1: Well, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's, Congratulations.
1: it's all right. <laughs> um, when you go back out on tour, are there things that you've learned, like from having been through all the lockdown stuff that you want to start incorporating to kind of maintain well-being better? <laughs> um,
0: yes, I suspect it's kind of difficult to say, to be honest, at this point, because it's still and slightly hypothetical the other thing i mean this isn't quite necessarily our topic of discussion today but one of the things i've learned is that like i will never ever take touring in the road for granted ever again and i miss it like you couldn't fucking believe um and uh you know i will i plan to kind of return to my to my muse to my mistress with with a lot of kind of penitence and dedication do you know what i mean it's like i'm gonna do some touring when i'm allowed to do that again
1: cool that's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, reprioritized your priorities. Yeah, it's it's.
0: I mean, it, you can't really talk about this without quoting Joni Mitchell. But like, you don't know what you took, got till it's gone and all that kind of business. And like, you know, I, I as somebody who's done an awful lot of touring and indeed then gone to loads and loads of shows in between all of that, because I love it, there were definitely days when I i could be a little jaded about it or take it for granted or just sort of you know there were days when i would sort of skip going to a show when i was home from tour because i just got back off tour and blah 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 and um i'm not going to do that again
1: okay
0: i will i will be i will be a dutiful
1: but i mean like there's still room for like it's sort of like you can be a positive person but like to completely not even um allow any negativity in your realm like that's not realistic oh yeah of course of course of
0: course and every single job and mode of existence in the world has days where it gets boring i mean this is just that's the nature of being a human being but um yeah i don't know i i feel very dedicated to my world that i've missed and and can't wait to go back to it
1: cool so do you have a favorite quote
0: a favorite quote i mean the the thing about this is that what i should probably do at this point is sit down and take about six days of your time to just read out the collective works of Jack clive james I do, do you ever heard of clive james
1: uh-uh
0: um he was an australian man a writer who moved to england when he was a young man and then was a i knew him because he was famous on the telly over here as being a guy who did kind of funny tv reviews and that's all i knew about the guy and then about six seven years ago um he got diagnosed with incurable leukemia and got told he had six months to live, and I read a kind of piece about it in the paper, saying, you know, famous poet and literary critic like Clive James, and I was like, what are you talking about? He's the guy off the telly, but it turns out I wasn't aware. He's a he was a brilliant poet and probably the greatest literary critic of the 20th century, um, and. And I'm, I'm not alone in thinking this, by the way. He is held in extremely regard, extremely high regard. He then m- survived for about six years on his six-month diagnosis and wrote a whole series of poems and essays about mortality, which are some of the most powerful affecting work that I know. He actually, finally, he passed away at the end of 2019, which was a great sadness. Um, but there is a quote of his, there's a poem he wrote called Les de Tenebra, which is about facing the end of your life. And um, the whole thing is perfect this is a man who worshipped the syllable like he, his poetry is just exquisite i actually ended up borrowing this for an album title so i'm sort of in a roundabout way quoting myself i hope you forgive me that but in ever he says um it uh, i should have been more kind it is my fate to find that out but find it out too late and uh it's just the the linguistic balance of that line is phenomenal and then just the the meaning of it it's like if somebody of that degree of kind of wisdom uh, and and profundity it can face death and think that his lesson he's learned is that kindness was lacking I think that's advice worth taking personally
1: yeah kindness and compassion is really important indeed yeah do you have anything cool coming up that you want to share about
0: yeah, I mean, yes, yes, I do. Have delightful of you to ask. Um, I got, I've got, um, but my big thing. So basically, I, I've been working on a new record um, for some time now, rather longer than originally planned. Because I don't know if you remember, there was this little pandemic thing that went yeah. down. Um, I was kind of halfway through writing a record when it all started, and then ended up writing a lot more than I would usually write for a record. And uh, we ended up making the record in a remote fashion, which was quite strange, but weirdly actually really good um, I was expecting it to be bad but it was good it was because it was very focused like there was no kind of messing around because my producer was in Vermont and I was in Oxford England and we were communicating via the internet yeah. very strange but um, uh, so yeah we, we track the record it's mixed it's coming out in January Cool. Um, uh, it's going to be called FTHC, um, uh, which is as close as I will ever get to self-titled. Uh, <laughs> I can't actually call a record prank title. That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> um, but its uh, I'm very, very excited about it. It's the most kind of aggressive kind of punk record that I've ever made in my life um, as a solo artist, certainly. And um, it, I think it's a good one. it's my ninth it's my ninth record but i'm very very excited for people to hear it the gathering was out a little while ago which is the first single from the record uh i think that the second single should be out imminently um and then there will be more and then there will be an album and i think it will pleasantly surprise people
1: that's so cool how many tracks are on it can i ask you that
0: uh i between 12 and 14 depending on who wins that argument
1: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) so maybe they'll just be 13 just Compromise. Well,
0: that would that would be the compromise option, but I'm not given to compromise in my art. So we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how we go.
1: Well, good luck. I'm hoping that there's thank 14 you. then. I'm assuming you want 14.
0: I certainly do. I mean, there's actually recorded 16. So maybe it'll be 16. Yeah. Let's go maximalist here. Let's go big.
1: Yeah, totally. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you a million for sharing your experiences and your thoughts in like a pistachio sized nutshell here. I, I <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs>
0: It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's it's good to talk about this stuff.
1: It is. It's important. And have a good rest of your day and go get some, like, ocean nature in you.
0: I certainly will. Thank you very much. You too.
1: All right. Bye. (laughs) Let me tell you all a little
0: story of the things I've found. Hanging out and drinking with my friends in the cathedral grounds. Late to dodging drunks as we dance along Jury Street, as we wander uptown to the railway, our friends to meet.